on our farm, uh, I had, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say privilege might be the right word. Um, Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. Uh, But we raised sheep, and uh, we had had Suffolk sheep. And uh, y'all, sheep are are not the most brilliant of animals. Um, They're just not. Um, And uh, it's interesting, the Bible calls us sheep. But anyway... um, so, uh, sheep are not the most brilliant of animals. We, I, I would go out every morning, and one of my chores was to feed the sheep. And inevitably, every morning, I would get out to the sheep uh, area, and one of the sheep would have its head stuck through the fence because the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, literally. And, uh, and so, they would have their head stuck through the fence. Sheep are good about getting their head stuck through the fence. They are not good about getting their head unstuck from the fence. Um, and so these sheep, they would have their head stuck, and they would be working so hard to try to get their head unstuck. And sadly, there were times that, and, and it sounds terrible, and it is terrible, there are times that some of the sheep would actually literally kill themselves trying to get unstuck. And And... What's sad about that is that it, all it took was a little bit of a, an adjustment, a little bit of an adjustment, and they, and they could easily pull their head. I mean, they got their head through. So all they, all they had to do is adjust it back and pull it. They, not that smart. And so all we had to do is adjust their head a little bit, pull it back out, and, uh, and they would be set free. The thing about sheep is, is that they that the same sheep the next day would do the same thing. Y'all know where I'm getting, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. We're a lot like sheep. A lot like sheep. Many of us, unfortunately, lived trapped. Lived trapped in the idea that is the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. That, that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, and if I just stick my head through this fence, I will gain whatever it is I do not have, or I will gain something more than what I have. And, and we think that it's possible to, to reach that, and what ends up, ends up inevitably happening every time we do that is we become trapped, and God's desire is not that we would be trapped, but that we would be free. That we would be set free. And, and what's, what's, what's scary to me is that there are times where we are trapped and we don't even realize it. Don't even, don't even realize that we're trapped. Don't even realize that, that, that it's possible death is coming. Don't even realize that, that there may be very, very difficult and very, very harmful and very, very bad circumstances that would happen as a result of us being trapped and we don't even see it and when we do realize it so often it it feels like it's too late and sometimes it is too late but but the beauty of of 
The God that we serve, the, the creator that we serve, the way maker that we serve is that he is a miracle worker. He is a healer. He is the one who can transform our lives from being trapped to being free, from being in darkness to being in light, from being dead to being alive. God is able to do that. And I want you to understand that if you feel trapped, understand there is hope for you, my friend, because Jesus is alive and he loves you and his desire is to set you free. His desire is to set you free. Why would I want to live trapped? And yet, like sheep, we so often get free and then go back to being trapped. See it all the way through the Old Testament with the people of God, the Israelites. We see it over and over and over again where God sets them free and they trap themselves again. Sets them free. Aren't you glad for God's grace and his mercy that's bigger than our trapping? God is, God is a gracious and merciful God, but, but we need to understand God is also holy and just and righteous. And, and while his grace never runs out and his mercy never runs out, we need to understand that he does not always remove the consequences and sometimes allows us, because of our own choices, to go down the inevitable path that we have chosen. God does not send anyone to hell. Please understand that. God does not ever send anyone to hell. It is not God's desire that anyone would go to hell. God's desire is, is that you'd be set free. People choose to, to reject Jesus and die without him and inevitably spend eternity separated from God. That is not God's will. That is not God's desire. That is not God's heart. God's heart is to set you free. So, so if, if someone tells you that God's desire is that you would be sent to hell, that, that is not God. That is not God. That's Satan trying to trick you into thinking that is God. That is not God. God loves you. He desires to set you free. He loves you so much he sent his son Jesus that if you would believe in him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. There is two choices, perish or everlasting life. And you and I make the choice, every one of us. And you are responsible for your choice. Not, not, don't blame your parents, don't blame your upbringing, don't blame whatever else is going on in your life, somebody else. It is not their fault what you choose. You choose what you choose. So, so like sheep, we, we sometimes need a little adjustment, we need some help. See, the biggest question is, is this, do I want to be free? Do I want to be free? I mean, I mean do, do, I, do I want to be free? Say that with me. Do I want to be free? Just ask yourself that. Do I want to be free? Turn or scroll to Galatians chapter 5. I'd go ahead and turn there if you would, or scroll there on your phone or whatever, tablet, like Moses. Um, sorry, I had to throw that out there again. I love that. Tab Moses used a tablet. So if you got a tablet, that's cool. You're like Moses. His was a little heavier. Galatians chapter 5. Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and by extension to us. There's new followers of, of Jesus who've been set free. They've been set free. Not, not, not by what they've done, but by what Jesus has done for them. 
None of us are set free by what we do. <laughs> Your good works will not set you free, my friend. Attending church, reading the Bible, praying, getting baptized, doing all that good stuff is not going to set you free. Oh, it will help you feel free, but it won't set you free. Jesus is what sets you free. What he has done is set you free and, and if you've accepted that gift. And what freedom does is it, it, that freedom, it means freedom from guilt and shame and condemnation and the need to perform and the chokehold and the separation that sin brings into our life. And I could go on and on with so many more adjectives of what sin can do and actions that it can do in our lives. But God has set us free. I love what Paul says, verse one, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So what we have is, I'm going to come down the stage, and uh, Brian, Zach, would you guys come up? I, I asked Hope if they, could, if they could help me in, so they're going to come and help me. Um, so I'm a new believer, and what's happening is, in that day and time, there are, uh, Zach, can come over here. This is Zach, this is Brian. Yeah, all right. Give it up for them. Yeah. They are large men. <laughs> wow. I'm scared right now. Uh, so, so one, one um, group in that, is, that is trying to have influence on these new believers is the Judaizers. These Judaizers are saying, okay, follow Jesus, but Jesus and. Jesus and your works, Jesus and, you still have to follow the law. You still have to be under the yoke of the law. That's why he says don't, 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 be, don't submit, don't be yoked again to slavery. The law is slavery to, to something they can never, ever be able to uphold. Never meant to be uphold. The, the whole point of the law is to point out the fact that they cannot do it and they need a savior. And, but, but they're saying, the Judaizers are saying, oh, you can have Jesus, but you need Jesus and. And then, and then there's the Herodians or the, the, the hedonists that, that they believe, you, you, need, to, you need to frown because the law is frowning. <laughs> Give us a good one. <laughs> Mad. All right, so on this side is the hedonists, and the hedonists believes that, that, that everything in your life is about your pleasure. And, and that this pursuit of pleasure, the pursuit of, of everything that has to do with pleasure is the highest pursuit of anything in life. And so whatever you want, just do it. Whatever, whatever feels good, whatever makes you feel good, whatever you think is right, just go for it. That is the highest calling in our lives. And so the hedonist is, is over here and they're smiling because they think that life is all about pleasure and seeking pleasure. So in the middle is this believer. So you grab my, grab this arm. Thank you. Well, you hold hands. That's cool. Um, all right. So we're going to hold hands. Not interlocking fingers, Brian. Jeez, a piece. Hope, you need to get up here. Um, so, all right. So what, what is happening is, is that they are being pulled. Now, when I say go, I want you guys to just go in opposite directions and pull as hard as you can. Just kidding. No, please don't do that. Oh, my God. Oh, my word. Don't do that. that that'll be a bad day for me um, because I will not win. <laughs> I will not win. So, so what's happening is, is the Judaizers are pulling this way, and the hedonists are pulling this way, and the believer is in the middle, the one who's trying to follow Jesus, and they're being yanked around like crazy. 
Yeah, there you go. That's good. Thanks. Nice and light. Good. All right, so go have a seat. Thank you, guys. Let's give him a hand. So the truth of that illustration is a reality every moment of every day in our life. Every moment of every day, we are being pulled to either self-righteous law and religious dues, I got to be all about doing in my life, or sin. Every single one of us deals with this every moment of every day. And the reality is, both of these are all about self. Self is the highest form of God in our lives. I, I've talked about it several times. One of our greatest enemies is ourself because we talk to ourselves all the time. And, and what we need to understand is self is being influenced one way or another. But notice what it says in verse 1. Stand firm, therefore. Well, what is beautiful is, is that no matter how big these two may be, we serve a God who is way, way bigger than any of that out there in the world that could possibly pull you one way or the other. And you, my friend, as a child of God, can stand firm in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Thank you. I got some amens. I'm glad for that. Praise God. It is, he is bigger than any problem. He is bigger than any sin. He is bigger than any, any swaying of any group of people in your life. He is bigger. And you, my friend, can stand firm in your relationship with Jesus because God is on your side. And if he's for you, nobody can be against you. God is on your side. But how do we do that? How do we stand firm? How do we stand firm and not submit again to a yoke of slavery? How do we stand firm and not stick our head through the fence, get stuck, thinking that somehow there's greener pastures on the other side of that fence? How do we stand firm? Well, we're going to go through this passage, and I'm not going to go through verses 2 through 12. You can go back and study that on your own. That's talking all about what the Judaizers are trying to pull them back into of, of you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to have X, Y, Z all figured out. And if you're not doing the right things, then you're not right with God. And, and, and Paul is saying, no, it is not about that yoke. Do not go for that yoke. And then there's this other yoke of sin, and we're going to catch that in verse 19, and, and we're going to talk about that. But, but here is what he says, verse 13, you were called to freedom. Turn to somebody and with your best William Wallace voice, go, freedom! Just yell, do it. Turn to somebody, freedom! Do it. There you go. If, I apologize in advance if you got spit upon. I, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't think about that when I, oh well, you got your shower today. <laughs> um, freedom. Brothers, you were called to freedom. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Number one, if you want to live free, if you want to stand firm in freedom, don't give an opportunity to the flesh. Do not give an opportunity to the flesh. You give Satan an inch, he's going to take a mile. 
You give Satan an inch, he will take a mile. That word opportunity actually means a base of operations. A base of operations from which offenses were, 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 would be staged and taken place from. And he is saying, do not let the flesh have a base of opportunity in your life. Do not do that. Do not give this, do not give the enemy, do not give Satan an opportunity for your flesh. And then notice what he says. He goes on, he says, he says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity of flesh, but through love serve one another. If you want to overcome the opportunity of flesh in your life, you need to overcome that by lovingly serving one another. There's a reason why we continue to encourage you to go on a mission trip. Because when you go on a mission trip, it's all about serving others. And you have to put away the opportunities of the flesh or you will not be able to serve one another. You will not be able to serve the people that you're going to, to minister to. And, and it gets you outside of your comfort zone. And it allows you to deal with that flesh side of you and and submitting that to God and saying, God, I want to serve you. Man, if you want to overcome your flesh, love other people and serve them. Serve them. Jesus even said, I, I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Greater love has no one than this. They lay down his life for his friend. Jesus not only said it, he did it. He lived it out and he served us and he allowed his opportunities to not be of the flesh, but to be out of love and serving one another. The whole law, verse 14, the whole law is fulfilled in one word, which I think is funny. It says in one word because then it gives like six. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The idea, the one word is love. That, that What he's talking about is love, agape, love. It's God's love flowing through us into the lives of others, but not, also, not, also, not just into the lives of others, but also into us. Remember, love your neighbor as you love yourself, as God is loving you, is what he's saying. So, so then he says, and there's, there's this seesaw thing going on, back and forth, back and forth, up, down, up, down. And, and notice what he says, verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Here's the flesh rearing its ugly head again. Our daughters have, have bunnies. They have, they have two little bunnies. These two little bunnies, they, they, they um, this is so weird. They do, I grew up on a farm, we had lots of rabbits, and it's just like, why? But whatever, they wanted them and they got them. So they have these two rabbits, and they have play dates for the rabbits. <laughs> I just, whatever. Um, I, just, all in all is, they're having a play date. And normally the, the bunnies, they, they love to cuddle and snuggle with each other. All of a sudden I hear, like, screaming coming from upstairs. I'm like, what is going on? These two rabbits turned into ravage beasts and started biting and devouring each other. And I mean, poofs of hair are all over the place. I'm like, what is happening in here? Thank God it wasn't MJ and ZZ going at it. Um, I, but this can happen. It, you want to see craziness happen. Two selfish people coming together will bite and devour one another. The thing is, he says, be careful, don't consume one another. Because that will happen. 
If you feed the flesh, this is what's going to happen. You are going to bite and devour one another. You are going to consume one another. So, so what's, what's, the, what's the deal? Don't give an opportunity to the flesh. We, we need to learn this statement. And uh, thank you for uh, Jane and Dominus. They got me a, a coffee mug that says this on it. Not today, Satan. Say it out loud with me. Here we go. Not today, Satan. We need to learn that phrase. And say it out loud. Satan cannot hear your thoughts. I'm, I'm not joking. Now, like, seriously. Uh, you may, now, please choose wisely where you say this. Like, like and who you're saying it to, please. Please just, just use some wisdom with that. Um, don't be like, uh, you get pulled over by a police officer and he, you look at him and, not today, Satan. No, that is not the right time to say it. All right? Don't do that. Uh, don't, don't do that. We need to use the opportunity we have not for the flesh but for love. Number two, number two is verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit. And you, look at this, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Number two is take a walk. We need, we need to learn to slow down in our lives and walk with the Lord. We need, we need to learn to be in relationship with the Lord. I look at this. I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify you will not feed the desires of your flesh. The, the the picture the word picture I get here is of feeding a fire. Except that it's a fire in the living room on the floor. That that is a bad place for a fire, y'all. That is not a good idea. Adding flame, adding logs to that fire is bad. It's going to end up bad, it's going to turn ugly, and it's not going to be good for you. A fire in the fireplace, on the other hand, is a really great thing. Add lots of logs to that. Walk by the Spirit, and you know what's interesting? The Bible says that the Spirit of God is like, is like a consuming fire. Mm. Add logs to the fire of the relationship that you have with the Spirit of God in you that you have with Jesus by walking with him day in and day out. This is not a once-in-a-while once thing. This is every day, every moment of every day, I'm walking with the Lord, doing what? Praying and spending time in the Word of God. Can I, can I ask you a question? When was the last time... You sat down, not on a Sunday, not in a morning service, when you sat down and you spent time with the Lord in his word. Did you do it this morning? Don't raise your hand. Did you do it this morning? And if, if not, why not? And, 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 and I, I got to tell you, I'm done with the excuses in my life. I cannot, I cannot say to God, God, I don't have time. God, I don't, know how, I don't have time. God, I'm too busy. God, I this. God, I that. I, I have no. I have all the time I need. Every one of us in here has the exact same 24-7, 365 as everybody else on this planet. It is not whether or not you have time. It is did you make time? Did you make time? And listen, we calendar we put down in our phone, we set reminders for what's important to us. And I'm saying to you, one of the most important things you can do with your life is to slow down enough in your life to, let their, to have some time with Jesus. 
I don't know what that looks like. It doesn't have to be. I'm not saying it's got to be 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever. I'm not going to tell you that. But we are so stinking busy in our life. Listen, if we are too busy for God, we're too busy. You will die a busy, miserable person. That is having your head stuck in a fence, trapped. Let let God slow your life down and get some freedom so that you can spend time with him. Walk by the Spirit. Why? Because I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They are at war with each other. To do what? To keep you from doing the things you want to do. You you don't think Satan is trying to derail you from living life and actually being free under the disguise of sin and works? That's a trap. General, whatever his name is in Star Wars, had it right. It's a trap. That was right. It's a trap. Stay away from it. Why? Because Satan is trying to destroy your life. He hates your guts. I don't care how beautiful you are. I don't care how awesome you think you are. He hates you. Why? Because you're made in the image of God. As a human being, you're made in the image of God. And he will do everything he can to destroy your life. Everything. So walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. They're at war with each other. Verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So, so there's the two things again. You're not under the law. You're not under these, this curse of works. You're, not, you're, you're in, under grace. You're under mercy. You're, under, you're undeserved favor by God. Not works, not sin, not, not those things. They will not set you free. Those things will keep you trapped. So take a walk. Number three, number three, verse 19 Verse 19 and verse 21 through 21 talk about the flesh. We need to identify what is coming out of our lives. What is out of the overflow of our soul. What you're filling up, what's being filled up in your soul will come out in your life. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh. Notice these works. These are, why does it say not the works? Because they're things that we do. They're choices that I make. They're, thing, they're, they're things I say yes to. I produce them. Out of the overflow of what's going into my soul, I produce these. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I I feel like I just read a description of the world in which we live. It is. It's all around us. And, And the sad part is, is that it's being sold to us by a bill of goods that this is good. That that this is life giving. That this living is freedom. My friend, it is not freedom. It is the exact opposite of freedom. It is a trap. It is, it is slavery. It is bondage. Every one of those things is a thing of bondage, not of freedom. 
It is not a work of the Spirit of God. This is a work of the Spirit who is at, at well at work in the systems in our world today. Listen, if the world is saying it's okay, you may want to turn your back on it and run as fast as you possibly can away from it. It is, it is not freedom. It is a trap. And, and the reality is all of us struggle with these things from time to time in our lives. Some of us are struggling with it all the time. Notice there's, there's really four distinct groups here. Sexual sins, religious sins, relational sins, and social sins. Every one of those can be placed into one of those four categories, and every one of us struggles at times with one of these. Now, that does not mean that you're not a follower of God, but what's interesting is, notice what it says in verse 21. It says, that I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things, another version says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a huge list that every one of us struggles with. And so are you saying, PJ, then, that if I struggle with that or if I, or if I, if I do one of those things that I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God? What I believe Paul is saying is, no, you may struggle at times with one of these things from time to time. But he is talking about habitually practicing this over and over and over again. If you are doing this on a regular basis and it has a grip on your soul, how can you say that God has set you free? And he's saying you're going to miss out on the kingdom of God here on earth. And it's very possible that you may miss out on the kingdom of God for eternity. Why? Because this is your God, not Jesus. And, and he's saying, I'm warning you. I have warned you about this before. I'm warning you about it again. This will destroy, these things will destroy your life. And yet the world says, oh no, 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 no. Anybody that tells you that, they are, they're a hater. They're a whatever-phobe. They're a this or that or though. And, and no. This stuff is, now, I have a choice on how I react to it. I have a choice on how, what did we talk about earlier? If you want to overcome flesh, love one another. This is not, if I, have, if I know somebody that's, that's stuck in one of these things, it is not my job to hate on them. It's not my job to judge them. It's not my job to condemn them. It is not my job to guilt them or shame them. My friend, you and I are terrible Holy Spirits. Stop trying to act like one. You are not the Holy Spirit of God. So, so stop it. Because that's why people are so turned off by the church, because we act like we're holier than now. You and I are all messed up individuals who are just, basically, what we need to understand is, the beauty of God is that we're saved by grace, we're covered by his blood. That's the only thing that makes us any different. We're still human beings who struggle. All right, I do. I struggle. I still struggle with sin. I still struggle with temptation. I still struggle with these things in my life. I'm no better. If anything, what we should do is just cause us to go, oh, thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Help me to be a forgiveness spreader. Help me to be one who goes out and helps other people see there's forgiveness in God. There's freedom in Christ. Hmm. 
notice all these things are doing things. They all come from the flesh and they trap you. Listen, we're set free. Freedom from sin is not freedom to sin. <laughs> freedom from sin is not freedom to sin. You, you don't get to be like, oh, well, I'm forgiven so I can do whatever I want. No. That's ridiculous. Paul even talks about that over and over again. Should I go on sinning so that grace can abound? By no means. That's ridiculous. Because if I love God, I want to do whatever I can to obey him, to demonstrate love to him. And sin does not demonstrate love to God. That's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus was nailed to a cross, because of our sin. My friend, he can set you free. He can set you free. And what I love is, is that it goes on, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. Here's, here's a, a, what is that? Somebody just yell it out. It's actually, it's a cluster, right? Isn't that what they call those? A cluster? It's a cluster of grapes. That's what he's talking about. So that's why in this thing you got the word fruit. Some people are like, why doesn't it say fruits? Because he's talking about all these things come together when you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. All of these different fruits are evident as a cluster, as a cluster of of grapes, a cluster of the Spirit in you. These become evident. Notice, Notice where they come from. Look at this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Where do these come from? They come from a soul that's been set free. Out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of your life, your life speaks. Are these things coming out? Again, we need to identify what's coming out of our lives. And then the fourth one, the last one, is that we, need, we have a choice to make. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desire. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So there's the choice. Flesh or Spirit? Death or life? Trapped or free? Do you want to be set free? My friend, you have to surrender your life to the only one who can set you free. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus wants to set you free. What's keeping you from that? I love these two verses, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What an awesome thing. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now where the spirit of the Lord is, get this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom! Freedom. I was talking with somebody earlier this past week, and they have just recently really surrendered their life to Christ. I was talking to them, and they were talking about all the stuff that, that this individual had struggled with and whatever. And, and this individual said to me, I feel so free. <laughs> yes! Yes! 
what we're talking about. If you don't feel free, my friend, maybe the reason is because you've not gone to the one who can actually make you free. See, it's the flesh that is the performer. It is the spirit that is the transformer. Question, do I want to be free? If you would, close your eyes, bow your head. Worship team is going to come. There's going to be people here at the front, people at the back. They just want to pray with you. Listen, in this place, in this time, there is no room for judgment. There is no room for shame. There is no room for guilt. There is no room for condemnation. Those things are not of the Spirit of God. If someone is coming forward, you have no reason to do to feel that toward them in any way, what you ought to do is pray for them as they're coming. And, and, and who knows what's going on in their life. Maybe they just want prayer because there's something happening in their family. Maybe they just want prayer because there's something that's happening uh, in, in, in their workplace. I, we don't have the right to judge that. Maybe you're sitting next to somebody and, and you're just feeling a nudge from the Holy Spirit of God saying, be the church right now. Be the church And you need to just reach out and just say, hey, can I pray for you? And then pray for them. You may not even know them. That's okay. The Holy Spirit of God knows them. He knows what's going on in their life. They may not even say to you, here's what's going on. You don't need to know. God knows. Just pray for them. Or maybe, you know, the Holy Spirit of God is telling you, just pray for the person next to you. You don't got to talk to them. You don't got to touch them. You got to whatever. Just pray for them. Let's be the church right now, right here. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never come to that place where you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and let Jesus set you free. My friend, right now, right here is the time, the moment. Do it. Don't wait. Don't let, don't let Satan steal this from you. Not today, Satan. Take advantage of the opportunity. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. You say, How? It's as easy as ABC. A, acknowledge that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus is the one who died for your sin and he rose again and he offers you forgiveness for that sin. And then C, confess it with your mouth. What does that mean? That means to agree with God. God, I agree with you that I'm a sinner. I need Jesus as my Savior. I'm praying and I'm asking you to be my Savior right now. That's it. It's that simple. You can do that right where you're at. You don't have to come down and do that. We'd love to have you come down and do that. But if you're not, do it right where you're at. Let's stand. Let's sing.